0: I think soiling the nest is basically a biological ripcord. Nobody's really ready, but it's time. While soil the nest can get messy if it spins out of control, it can quickly become a shit show, and that's a lot harder to clean up. No one wants it and no one needs it, so let's prevent it. After several soil the nest seasons, here are the five ways we let our kids soil the nest in order to prevent a shit show. Welcome to the Cook Who Can't Eat podcast, where we're making food, family, and life a little easier, one bite at a time. Hello, friend. I'm so glad that you're here. As parents, we hear the stories about soiling the nest, these ingrained behaviors and emotions that happen when our kids are ready to leave the nest. And somehow these behaviors are supposed to make it a little bit easier on us. So let them go. Somewhere in the back of our mind, we're going, oh, well, it can't be as hard as fill in the blank, but it is. It's just a different kind of hard and very interesting season of life. When our kids are born, we fall into this deep, undying love that some of us didn't even know was possible. We fantasize about what it'll be like when they can crawl or talk, walk, or even sleep through the night can't wait to see what this little tiny baby is going to grow into. However, this is all happening during one of the hardest and biggest transitions of your life. We're sleep deprived. We're scared. We're overwhelmed. We are exhausted. Our bodies are trying to heal and we just can't wait for it to get a little bit easier. One breath later, that baby is deep into toddlerhood. You love watching them discover the world. Their little brains are sponges learning faster than we can teach them. They have this boundless energy. That's just exhausting. When you're watching them, you see just how big they've gotten. And then you look at them when they fall asleep and you can see that shadow of that itty bitty baby you love so much, those moments steal your breath and they break your heart because you can't remember the last time you cradled them, but you're also so excited to see them develop this personality or sleep in a little bit, maybe even just get their own snack You finally get a good night's sleep. You wake up and suddenly they're a tween. They're spending more time with friends than with you. They're creating this whole little world that you don't have full access or visibility into watching them try and figure out who they are, who they want to be, and carve out their own path and place in this world is captivating and just awe-inspiring. As you're watching it, it knocks the breath out of you because you don't know where your toddler went. Your heart starts to squeeze and hurt a little bit because you're past that halfway point with them, but you can see what's on the horizon for them and you can't wait. By the time you're done making dinner, you realize you can't yell for them. They're at practice or they're off with their friends or at work they have created this whole world that you really only have a very limited day pass into your teens are making their own plans they're going on trips they're exploring the world they're making graduation plans their prom plans they have found where they feel comfortable they're discovering themselves and it's magical you cheer them on you're excited you can't wait to watch it you are broken hearted because you know that bedroom that is going to be empty and they're not gonna be down in just a second for dinner every night. The idea of having an empty nest is hard until, until, until soil the nest. You aren't familiar with. Soil the nest season. It's basically when your senior in high school or a child that's about to leave your home has major senioritis, a belief that they are now an adult and don't need you to tell them what to do. They start to behave in a way that makes you want to kick them out of the nest. Thank you, Mother Nature. Soiling the nest can look very different. It depends on your household, your kid, but there are a few pretty consistent traits. Like the fact that you can no longer breathe, walk, speak, do anything or exist in any way that is not wrong, incorrect, or offending them. You almost never see them. They're off doing their own things. They know everything. The only thing they don't know and they don't understand is how you're still alive because obviously you know nothing. They have fantasized and developed this mythical version of what adulthood is going to be and their emotions are completely unpredictable. You're starting to crave the peacefulness you think will come with them leaving the nest. And at the same time, you want to hold on for dear life and as tight as you can, because you can't imagine not seeing them every day. So you try and hold on tighter and that just makes everything worse. And it just becomes this cycle. And that's when soiled the nest season can become a shit show. It's hard. It's a hard time for them. And it's a hard time for you. It's almost like having to walk on eggshells through a minefield while playing twister and operation. Obviously supporting your kid during this time is your number one priority, but your second priority or even one B is to prevent this season from becoming a shit show. Nobody wants that. And nobody needs that. In 2020, we had two kids that were supposed to graduate that may. My daughter left school for spring break and never got to go back. All her plans for senior skip day, prom, last day on campus, our last set of finals graduation, graduation parties, all these things kind of imploded and went away. That doesn't even include her final competition season trip. She had planned with friends when spring break came, she had been testing those soiling the nest waters. And I knew that it was going to gear up to be a lot more now because of COVID-19 lockdowns, she never got to go back to school, but she actually got a second job, worked a ton, built herself up this nice little nest egg. For college. It was great. She was really glad she was able to do that. It didn't take the place of everything that she lost, but she still was able to accomplish something. The thing with soiling the nest is you can pinpoint when it's going to be at its worst. Wherever there's a big change or a jump in freedom or perceived adulthood, things like their 18th birthday, prom around graduation. For my daughter, it was different. We didn't have those markers. So we really never knew when it was going to hit or why or how. So here we are, the end of her senior year, her plans are gone, her graduation's gone, all of these things she wanted to do are gone. She was still trying to soil the nest and create her own world and independence. However, a lot of that was squashed by the lockdowns and the curfews that were put into place. This helped my mama heart as far as knowing that she was safe. It really caused additional struggles for her. We knew we had to create ways for her to gain independence and that identity. Here are the five things we did that made the difference and prevented this soil, the nest season from turning into a shit show. One rules, they are still living at home, whether they're 18 or not, there are still house rules. If you didn't know soil, the nest is very contagious. So we sat down together to discuss what those were going to be. We weren't trying to create some kind of hard or strict environment but we needed the older ones to take into account that we had younger ones still living here we were living here And while, yes, they were 18, this is still our home. We sat down, we talked about it, we made some suggestions, they made some suggestions, and it was actually really simple. We agreed fairly quickly, and they still live to those rules today when they come home, and it's very straightforward and easy. I am probably going to do another episode just on what our rules ended up being in case you're interested. If you're here, you help. If we had chores or things we needed them to do, we started sending it to them in a text message. That way we both knew all the information, the deadline, and what success looked like very straightforward, simple, easy. And there was no like, oh, you didn't say that. No, you didn't say this all very clear. It's written out, no room for arguments. Number three, let them lead during the season, follow their lead their choices and their opinions, if they want some horrible, ugly bedspread for their dorm room, get the ugly bedspread. (laughs) If they come to you and say, this is what I want to do after graduation. Okay, let's see what that looks like. If you're letting them lead, they're going to come to you for counsel and guidance more so than if you're trying to drag them wherever you want them to be. That's when they're going to push away and go in the opposite direction. So take that breath, take a step back, and just let them show you where they want to be and where they want you to be. Therefore, four, if there are younger siblings in the house, strongly encourage them to become responsible for something with the younger ones. It creates a very special bond between them that will continue even after they leave home. One thing that a lot of people don't talk about is that, yes, when your kid leaves the nest, you feel that emptiness, you feel that hole, but so do the siblings. And nobody really talks to or about the siblings and the hard time they might be having with losing that daily contact. So encourage that communication, encourage that decision. For me, my daughter became in charge of taking my son shopping. It's her job. Make sure that he has the clothes he needs, clothes he wants, shoes, et cetera. Now she's getting ready to finish up her third year of college. And when he wants new clothes, he calls her. I love it because now they have this special bond that happens no matter where they are. Number five, ask them do you want an ear, a hype girl, or a solution? And whatever they pick, honor that. Anytime your child comes to you to talk, ask them one question Do you want an ear, a hype girl, or a solution? If you honor that, they're going to come to you more and more because they know that they're going to get what they need when they need it. This was completely new territory for her and for us. And we were learning on the job, kind of like we did when she came home from the hospital. There's no manual. It's a trial and error. The only thing you can do is do the best that you can. That's it. It doesn't matter how prepared you think you are. This season is hard for everyone. As scared and nervous as we were, they were too. And they should not have to be responsible for making you feel better. Cry in your pillow. Go to a counselor. Talk to your significant other. But don't. Put it on them. Your emotions or the knowledge that you have of been there, done that. They don't want to know and do not guilt them. If they don't want to come home for the whole first semester, fine. They don't have to send them care packages, messages or voicemails, whatever. Just let them know you're here, but that you are following their lead and you are respecting what they want to do. It makes a really big difference. While dealing with this huge, giant change, they're going to ditch your feelings really quick. And the easiest way to do that is to avoid you like the plague. And you don't want that. Soiling the nest is a natural part of growing up for most teens. Now, just because this whole process is normal and natural, doesn't make it any easier. It's hard. Probably one of the hardest things you'll do when they are pushing away. You have to let go because if you hold on tighter, something's going to break. And it's really hard to put it back together. Let them lead you through this season. Don't put your stress or your expectations on them. When you do need to ask them to do something, just say it or write it or text it. And when they are in one of those emotional turmoils, don't engage. Leave the room. Go somewhere else. Ignore them. Always ask. Do you want an ear, a hype girl or a solution and honor their answer? You've got to let them create this space, create this identity because cleaning up some soiling the nest is a lot easier than cleaning up after a shitstorm. Your only job right now is to take a big step back and trust that what you've taught your child is enough to help them leave the nest and be successful in that process. Someone once said, basically, if you've done your job as a parent, your kids want to leave. That's 100% true and it 100% sucks. So while you may be walking on eggshells through the minefield, playing Twister and Operation, take a deep breath and remember that you've got this. Enjoy watching that beautiful human being that you grew from scratch come into the world and make their place. I promise you've got this. Good luck and thank you for being here. Chicken cacciatore is the ultimate healthy comfort food. It's jam packed with all sorts of delicious vegetables. It's even better if you can make it when they're in season. But either way, this dish warms your soul while fueling your body with exactly what it needs. The first thing you wanna do is chop up all of your vegetables. Now this can be a lot and it can get very tiring. So to make it a little more accessible, use a food chopper. I'm using a little one here, cost me less than $20. Or you can even buy pre-cut veggies to use. Most chicken cacciatore is made with chicken thighs. My family prefers chicken breasts, so that's what I use instead. I take each breast and pat it dry. Then I place it between two pieces of parchment paper and then pound that down until you've got a piece of chicken about half an inch thick, pat dry any remaining moisture, and then set aside while you finish the rest of your chicken. This step can take quite a bit of energy. So an accessible alternative is to buy chicken that's already cut into thin slices this recipe is really a one pan dish so you want to make sure that you're using either a dutch oven a stock pot or just a regular pot but that's deep enough to really hold all of these ingredients add olive oil to your pot now season both sides of your chicken and place it in the pot cook for about five to six minutes on each side until cooked through remove the chicken and set aside for later add some more olive oil and your onion that'll help you scrape up all of those delicious brown bits add in all the other vegetables along with your fresh or dried herbs over medium to high heat bring your sauce to a low boil turn it down slightly so it can simmer add your chicken and mix everything together place your lid back on your pot and allow your chicken cacciatore to simmer for about 20 to 25 minutes. This recipe is perfect all on its own, but my family loves it when I serve it with pasta or smashed red potatoes. For the full recipe, check the show notes, YouTube video, or visit the website thecookwhocan'teat.com. Don't forget to tag me if you decide to make this recipe. I hope your family loves it as much as mine does. Thank you for being here, my friend. I'm so glad you were able to join me. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform because you're not going to want to miss the next episode where we're going to talk about accessible cooking.